This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good evening. <laughs> this beater. Um, how are you guys doing? Are you guys good? Are you excited to be in the house of God tonight? This is definitely the best place to be at on a Sunday evening. And that is to worship God together with the family of God. Amen. As George said, my name is Greg and I am 21 years old uh, plus nine years of experience in life. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and what a privilege it is for me um, to stand here tonight just to share the Word of God with you guys. Um, I'm originally from a very small town in the Northern Cape called Katu. Um, yeah, it's a, nobody knows where Katu is. There's a, a Katu in Thailand. Oh, there's a couple of people know. There's a Katu in Thailand. So people normally, when I tell them I'm from Katu, they think I'm from Thailand. And no, um, it's a mining town. And um, I was um, in full-time ministry in Katu for about nine years um, and a youth pastor for six of those Yes, up until last year when God, you know, called me into the nonprofit space and he told me to relocate to Cape Town and leave everything. Um, and I've been in Stellenbosch for about a year. I moved in last year, September. Um, and then I got, in, uh, you know, started attending Shofar. Um, and it's been such an incredible journey. Um, got involved in an incredible small group um, and started serving as well. Um, and it's been so, so awesome, and I'm super excited uh, just to come and share the Word of God with you guys tonight, and we're going to be spending some time just, you know, looking at the concept of identity. Amen? All right, so um, I came from a very charismatic church, um, so there we encourage the people, you know, if you agree something, you know, with something that I say, you can nod your head like this. Everybody go. All right, or you can say amen, or you can say, you know, (laughs) you can say, come on, you know, preach it, preacher, or something, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Just as the Lord leads you uh, tonight. Um, You know, as we start looking at identity, there's three um, things that I just want to put out there. Um, Just three concepts, three thoughts that I want to just implant in your minds as we start this sermon, this message, as we look at identity. And the first thing, when we speak about identity, we need to look at the origin, the beginning, the genesis. You cannot speak about identity apart from its creator. As we speak about identity, we need to look at who is the one who created us. And we're going to look at Genesis 1, verse 25 to 28. And it says, And then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. I'm just going to read that again. And then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth um, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. 
And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right from Genesis, we see that when God said, Let us create man, he created us with, uh, in his image. That means that you are an image bearer of God. Every single person out there is an image bearer of God, whether they know God or not. But the sad truth is, there's a lot of people out there who are not walking in their God-given identity, the one that they received from their maker. And the only way you'll find out who you truly are is by knowing this God, the one who created you. You were made in the image of God. That means the source of who you are is this incredible God that we serve. Amen? And, and my prayer and my hope is that when we leave this place tonight, that Jesus, that this incredible God we serve will be the center of our lives. That, that just like John said, that we will decrease and that he will increase in our lives. Amen? So that is the first thing, that you've got to know who your maker is. If you know your maker, then it will be easy to find out what is your identity. The second thing is something that I learned many years ago, which completely messed with my mind. Um, somebody you know, was sharing on the concept of idolatry. And we know that idolatry is, you know, is worship of anything other than God. When you elevate something in your life above God. When something takes the place of God in your life, that is idolatry. And then when we read, you know, Colossians 5, uh, 3 verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And covetousness is basically when we want something so much that it takes the place of God in your life. Covetousness is seeking something so much that it becomes an idol in your life. We seek it rather than God. And he said, you know, and as he was explaining idolatry, because we were speaking on the concept of identity, he said, you know, I can't even remember who he is, but it completely changed the way that I looked at identity. He said, who is your creator? God created you, right? Do you guys agree? God is your creator, so he is the only one who has the right to tell you who you are. So when you allow anybody else or anything else in your life to determine who you are, he said, that is a form of idolatry because you are elevating something to the place of God in your life. And may that not be the case in our lives, that we elevate things in our lives that determine our identity, our false identity, because God is the only one who is entitled, who has the right to determine who you are. That is the second thing. The third thing is basically a question that I, you know, I was in youth ministry for, for about six years, actually nine years, um, and I always asked the teenagers this. And it, the question is, if who you are is what you have or what you do, then who are you when what you have is gone and you no longer do what you do? Let that sink in a bit. If who you are is what you have or what you do, then who are you when what you have is gone and you no longer do what you, 
what, what you do. And this, this question hits me deep every time I think about it. Because so many times we tend to find our identity in external things. We tend to find our identity in, in, in what we do, what we have, how we look like. And hence the question, if who you are is what you have, then who are you when what you have is gone? Think about it for a moment. You know, in this world that we live in, you know, the world tends to define identity. We tend to define ourselves by our job, you know, by our financial status, by our success, our grades, um, our appearance, what other people think about us, and many external things. And this is reality. I think all of us at some point, you know, we were so consumed with, with all this stuff that we started defining ourselves around that. But what happens to your identity when we experience failure, when those things that define you disappear, or you lose the very same people who define you? What happens to your identity then? The very foundation of who we are is shaken and changed when those stuff disappear. And the result is we run around trying to reinvent ourselves. We run around trying to, to redefine ourselves by something else or by somebody else. Because the very thing that defined us is no longer there. Building, having a stable and a steadfast sense of identity cannot exist when you find your identity in external things. It cannot exist when you find your identity in external things. Because when circumstances change, what's going to happen? You're going to have to change, right? When things change, when the people who, 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 who define your identity change, what's going to happen? You're going to have to, to redefine yourself. And that is not the way that God, you know, wanted, wants us to live. And some things that define us aren't always bad. Some of the things that define us, you know, it's not bad to have wealth. It's not bad to be successful and to get good grades. It's not bad to look good and handsome. But the problem comes when those things begin to become your identity. The problem comes when you begin to define yourself with all those external things. I just want to share a bit of my testimony with you guys. So I grew up in a Roman Catholic church, and we went to church every Sunday. Um, but even though I went to church every Sunday, I did not know God personally. I did not have a relationship with God. And when I arrived in high school, you know, I was broken. I was empty. I was lost. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea why I was here. And, you know, it got so bad, I started wearing a mask pretending to be something I was not when I was around different people. And it got so bad that, that, you know, when I was with this group, I liked Coke. And when I was with this group, I liked Fanta. And I remember I was sitting with my friend at, you know, at, um, at one of the local parks, and he asked me, so Greg, tell me, what is your favorite dish? You know, what's your favorite cool drink? And I couldn't tell him. And that broke me so much because I realized that I am lost. And I was, you know, I was experiencing depression, suicidal thoughts were going through my mind. And I got to a point when I, I didn't want to live like this anymore. And I cried out to this God. And I said, God, if you are out there, then you must know who I am. And you must know why I am here. 
And church, I'm here to tell you that this incredible God came, and he completely came and changed my life. And the greatest adventure of my life began that day. And all of a sudden, I realized that I have a God-given identity. I have a God-given purpose. And if you are sitting here and you do not have a relationship with God, I want to challenge you. God is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. Open up your heart and let him in. And I guarantee you, your life will never be the same. He will come and change every single thing. My depression, my suicidal thoughts, at that moment, they were gone. Because I realized that I was loved by a Savior who sacrificed everything to find me. As I surrendered my life to Jesus, I got you know, involved in the local church, and I started serving, and I started growing spiritually, and I became involved in the local youth ministry in grade 10. Um, and, you know, from grade 10 till matric, you know, I really threw myself, and then I realized, and I started praying, God, what is your plan for my life? What is your purpose for my life? And God, you know, slowly but surely just revealed to me that He's called me for ministry. He's called me to work with young people. So after matric, I went um, I studied theology uh, while I served at the church, and three years later, I got my degree, um, and I became uh, the youth pastor at that local church. Um, and, and that's what I did for the last, for the last you know, nine years of my life. Ministry was all that I knew. Ministry was all that I knew, you know, in church, youth ministry, in the local schools. And last year, you know, God... <laughs> God is amazing. God is incredible. So, so ministry is doing good. I've got favor everywhere in town. You know, the youth ministry is growing. Um, I was, you know, somebody actually came to me and he said, Greg, these people see you, you know, as the closest thing to Jesus. That's why they come to you instead of Jesus. Um, and so in my success of ministry, I developed a sense of pride and a sense of arrogance that I have arrived. You know, I've got it all. Um, I was running two businesses at the same time. Um, and, you know, things were really good. And I was, you know, and more deals were coming through. And God, you know, comes and he says, Greg, your season in Katu has come to an end. And I want you to leave everything behind. I want you to leave everything behind. The youth ministry, the schools that you're involved in, your two businesses, I need you to leave them behind. Um, that was the hardest decision I've ever had to make. So I moved to Stellenbosch last year, September, and I arrive in Stellenbosch. I don't know anybody in this town. And I'm by myself. I stayed there in Onar Papachai Bar. And, and every day after work, I would you know, go for a jog. And I'd go and sit at the dam. There's a little dam on that side. And, and I remember one day I was sitting there and I just started crying. Because I realized that I didn't know who I was anymore. Because I had defined myself by the work that I did. 
I was in ministry since I was in grade 10, you know, got involved in ministry since I was in grade 10. So my sense of identity was wrapped up in this work that I did. Hence the question, if who you are is what you have or what you do, then who are you when that is gone? So I find myself at a place where I'm no longer doing full-time ministry. And I'm sitting there and I'm crying and I say, God, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what I'm doing here. Did I even hear you correctly to move the Western Cape? (laughs) At that moment, I didn't feel like it. (laughs) At that moment, I didn't feel like it. And, you know, I was broken. I was empty. And and I, I genuinely wanted to run away. Not only did I not know who I was, but I started feeling like I was not good enough. Because all of a sudden, I'm no longer in ministry. I'm in the nonprofit space, which is a bit more corporate than ministry. Um, and half of the time, I have no idea what I'm doing. That's the, that's the, I think, you know, all young adults go through that when you enter your, your first job. And I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. In all the meet- meetings that I sit in, I am the youngest, and all these old guys don't even, you know, care about you. <laughs> I almost want to say, you know, and I started feeling like I'm not good enough. And God started working in my heart. And he started telling me, Greg, your identity is not wrapped up in what you did. Your identity is not wrapped up in ministry. Your identity is not wrapped up in your performance because, because I, was, I wasn't doing good in my work, so I felt like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't doing well. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just stumbling around, so I felt like I wasn't good enough. So external things started having an impact in the way that I looked at myself. And God spent the last year breaking down the pride and the arrogance that I had built for almost six years. And he started from scratch, building my identity, so that my identity was found in God and not in what I did. My achievements or my possessions or any external things, I had to find who I was in this incredible God that we serve. There's a word they use in the Bible, um, sailor. You find it oftentimes in the, in the book of Psalms. And basically this word means you take a pause and think about what you have just read. Take a pause and think about and meditate on what you've just read. You know, become introspective of the thoughts that are going through your mind. And I want to challenge everybody here tonight. I want you to take a moment and have a sailor moment and become introspective of where you find yourself tonight in this topic. Where do you find your identity tonight? Is your identity wrapped up in the things that you have, in the things that you do, in your possessions? Or are you maybe sitting here tonight and you're looking around and you don't feel good enough? Because you don't look like that person, you don't have what that person does, or you don't hang out with that group. Have a sailor moment and be completely honest with yourself. And ask yourself, where am I tonight? 
who is the source? What is the source of my identity tonight? Maybe the words are going through your mind, the words that, you know, you'll never be good enough. Maybe you grew up hearing these words where people were constantly breaking you down. You know, I'm completely aware of the fact that some lies that we believe about ourselves have their root in painful experiences. But where are you tonight with regards to your identity? Stop looking to others or external things to validate your worth. There's only one who has that right. There's only one who has the right to tell you who you are. And it is this incredible God that, is, that we serve. He's the only one who's got that right. An identity that is grounded in God would mean that as soon as we think about who we are, our minds gravitate towards our status, our position in God. And that position is one of we are deeply loved by the creator of the universe. When you think about who you are, you should think about you are deeply loved, you are chosen, you are forgiven, you are called by the creator of the universe. How does God see you? I'm going to let us read Ephesians 3, 1 verse 3 to 10. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He has predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will and to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on the earth. I know it's a mouthful, but I just want to break it down for you. According to Ephesians 1, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen, we have been adopted, we have been redeemed, we have been forgiven, and His grace has been lavished upon us. And He loves us so unconditionally. And we are accepted. We are pure blameless and forgiven, we have received the hope of spending eternity with God. And when when we are in Christ, these aspects of our identity do not change with circumstances. They do not change with circumstances. And that is why it is so crucial that we find our identity in this God that we serve and not in external circumstances in physical or material possessions 
May we find our identity in Christ. Because when it goes bad, you don't feel like you're a failure anymore. Because why? Because your worth is found in the one who died for you. You know, I still have horrible days at work sometimes where work becomes challenging. But because God has spent the last year working on my identity, I don't feel like I'm worthless. I don't feel like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a loser or whatnot. Because I know that my worth is found in this God. This God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This God who is always good, who never changes. This God who doesn't cast a shadow by turning. And because he is so constant, the way that he looks at you never changes. The way that he looks at you never changes. One of the greatest examples of, of somebody living from their identity um, is the story of Jesus. Jesus is amazing. In Matthew 3 verse 17, it says, you know, that verse says, and behold, so Jesus, you know, we don't read about him from the age of 12 up until the age of 30. So he rocks up in the picture, and John is busy baptizing people at the river. So Jesus goes to be baptized. And after he, you know, he's baptized, this is what happens. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. At that point, in Jesus' ministry, he hadn't healed a single person that we, we, have, we have read of. We, he hadn't performed any miracles. He, he literally just you know, showed up um, into the scene, and he went and got himself baptized. So that tells me that God found pleasure in Jesus as his son, not in what Jesus did. So many times we want to perform, we want to do things so that God can be pleased with us. You know, it, it's, it's not bad. Coming to, coming to church is definitely good. Reading your Bible is definitely good. It is amazing. It's awesome. It's beneficial for your spiritual growth. But you don't do it so that God can be pleased with you. He is pleased with you. Therefore, you go to church. Therefore, you read your Bible. Therefore, you serve. Therefore, you seek his face. So Jesus gets baptized, and God says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Church, God is still speaking those words over our lives tonight. There's a scripture that says that he rejoices over you with singing, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are as his son, as his daughter, because of your position in him. And just a mere moments later, I think in Luke 4, Jesus finds himself in the desert. And guess what the, the, the enemy does? What's the first temptation that the enemy tries on Jesus? He says, if you are the son of God, turn these rocks into stone, uh, these stones into bread. It's, it's, it's so funny that the very same, the very first thing that the enemy goes for is Jesus' identity. And if the enemy tried to get Jesus to doubt his identity, what is he going to do to you? He's going to let you question yourself every time. And you're going to wonder, but am I good enough? Am I 
worth it? Are people actually going to love me? Always remember this. That God rejoices you. Rejoices over you with singing. Not because of what you do. Not because of what you have. But because of who you are. As a son and a daughter of the most high God. You are loved because of your position in, in God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Is there any new creatures in the place? Ah, my Oma Kambabi Is there any new creatures in the place? Do you know what that means? It means that your old identity is gone. You are a new creation. You are a new being with a new identity. Uh, the, the message translation says, give your old self a decent burial. <laughs> give your old self and your old identity a decent burial because you are a new creation. You are a son and a daughter of God. And who you are and your worth can only be determined but this God that we serve, he's the only one who has the right to determine who you are. Galatians 2 verse 20 um, says, I have, and Paul was writing, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, and I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul is saying, I'm living my life from this position that I have in, this, in Jesus Christ. In essence, he's saying, you know, my new identity looks like this. It looks like Jesus living in me. You are first a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And then, secondary, you're a teacher, you're a rugby player, you are handsome, you are wealthy, you are Italian, Afrikaans, or Tswana. Those are your secondary, you know, identities. Your primary identity is your position in God. And the secondary, you know, identity does not influence or impact or, you know, should not determine your value because your value is determined in your position as a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You are a citizen of heaven, a member of God's household, a son and a daughter of this incredible God that we serve. Live your life from this knowledge. Live your life from this position. Knowing that He is pleased with you. Knowing that you are accepted. Even if nobody else accepts you. Knowing that God accepts you, that you are forgiven that you are deeply loved. And if you are at a place where you do not know this God, where you, are, where you long to experience this, may God come and change your life tonight. May the greatest adventure of your life begin tonight. Have a sailor moment. I, I, I challenge you tonight. Be brutally honest with yourself. Where are you standing with regards to your identity? I think there's three groups of people. Those who say, you know what, Greg? 
I've got a healthy, no, a healthy sense of identity in who I am in God. And I live my life from this position. And that is awesome. And may you continue seeking the face of God and seeking to live a lifestyle of holiness to, to you know, to worship this God and just make a difference wherever you go. That is the first group. Second group is, you know, Greg, I've been living my, I've been getting my sense of worth and my sense of identity in my possessions, in all external things. God is saying to you tonight, let go of those stuff and find your identity in me. I've seen people doing crazy things. A while ago, I was, um, many years ago, I was chatting to a lady who completely shaved her head bald. Like, her, her Alice was off. And she said it was her way of surrendering, her finding, you know, her sense of worth in her hair and in her beauty. It was her way of saying to God, God, I want to find my sense of worth and my sense of identity in who you are. Wow. May we go to such lengths. <laughs> May we go to such lengths to surrender, to bow your knee at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, these things don't matter to me. I lay it all at your feet because I want to find my worth and my sense of identity in who you are. What lies do you believe about yourself tonight? What lies have people spoken over your life tonight? And like I said, sometimes the lies that we believe are rooted in painful experiences, and I am aware of that tonight, and I have no idea where you find yourself tonight. But I want to challenge you. Just come and lay it all at the feet of Jesus. May Jesus be the center of your life tonight as we walk away from this place. May he be the center of all that you are. May he be the source of your worth, the source of your identity, the source of your joy. Second Corinthians, and I'm about to finish up in about 15 minutes. <laughs> Second Corinthians 10 verse 3 till 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to do what? To destroy strongholds. So many times we have strongholds in our lives that are keeping us back from going fully for God, from chasing God fully with all that we are. So to destroy strongholds, to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Do you maybe have strongholds in your life? Stuff that are keeping you back. You know, Paul said that, you know, we, we remove, we strip off everything that burdens us, the sin that so easily entangles us as we run, as we pursue Jesus, as we chase after this God, as we run the race that is marked out before us. May we 
No, get rid of every single entanglement, every, sing, every single um, you know, thing that holds you back, every stronghold in your life. What arguments and lofty opinions have been raised against the knowledge of God? What lies are you believing about yourself that are in contrary to the Word of God? What lies do you need to get rid of? What thoughts are going through your mind, thoughts of you're not good enough, thoughts that you, you know, you'll never make it in life, thoughts that, that go against the truth of God's Word? My prayer and my encouragement for us is that we will get to a place where we surrender all that we are, And that we immerse ourselves in reading the Word of God. You know, church, sometimes what we do is we read the Word of God and we think, you know, we say, it's amazing, wow. We just read, you know, say the scripture that we just read now. And we think, wow, it's so amazing. God is speaking to us. And then we leave it over there and we don't do anything about it. The truth of the Word of God will change you only if you apply it in your life. There's a lot of people out there who have memorized the Bible, but they do not apply it in their lives. Therefore, their lives remain unchanged. It is when we apply the truth of God's Word in our lives that transformation takes place. It's, imagine you're at home and your parents ask you to wash the dishes. And you go to your bedroom and you think for three hours long on that sentence, go wash the dishes. And you come back to your parents and you say, wow. That statement was so amazing. Go wash the dishes. Are the dishes washed? No. And that is the problem with us as believers. We read the Bible and we think, oh, wow, it is so, so amazing. I can do all things. Hashtag, you know, Instagram status. Transformation only takes place when we apply the truth of the Word of God in our lives. May we come to a place where when we read a scripture like this, we start meditating on it, we start thinking about it, we start ruminating on it, letting it roll over your mind and asking yourself, God, do I have any strongholds in my life? God, please reveal any strongholds in my life that are keeping me from running after you. God, what arguments and lofty ideas have I believed above your word? You may not always feel forgiven or blameless, but the truth is, God sees you that way. Thank you, George. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians 1 says, we have been chosen, we have been adopted, redeemed, forgiven. His grace has been lavished on us, and He loves us unconditionally. And we are accepted. We are pure, blameless, forgiven. We have received the hope that we will spend eternity with this God that we serve. When we are in Christ, these aspects of our identities do not change with circumstances. Act 17 verse 28, Act 17 verse 28 says, For in Him we live, we move, and we have our being. As Even some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring. Because you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God, you find the very core of who you are in this God that you serve. Just listen to that. For in him we live, 
we move, and we have our being. May that be reality in our lives. That the very core of who you are is found in this God that we serve. And not in arrogance, not in pride, not looking down on anybody else, but being aware that we are all image bearers, that we are part of the body of Christ. And as you begin to walk in your God-given identity, you begin to treat others in the same way with the respect and dignity that God has placed within them, even if they're different from you. Psalm 139, and I'm finishing up with this, says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. You know, it sounds like David is arrogant. Listen to that. He says, you know, he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. He's speaking about himself. He says, oh, wow, I am so wonderful. And I know this very well. But you know, where does that confidence come from? It comes from the knowledge of knowing that I was created by a God who deeply adores me. I was created by a God who has forgiven me, who has accepted me, who loves me. And he says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would be more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Church, it is okay to walk in confidence. I truly believe that God is calling us to live out our God-given identities and our God-given purpose, to live a life of victory, to live a life in community, to live a life of holiness. You know, what's the amazing thing about finding your sense of identity in God? It's because you realize that outside of yourself, you can do nothing. Outside of yourself, you're going to fail. You can only find your strength in this incredible God that we serve. He's the only one who can empower you to live a life of victory, free from every addiction, free from every, every single thing that holds you back. May we find our worth in this God. And I think C.S. said this a couple of weeks back while he was busy going through um, humility, the series. He said, we should think better of ourselves and not of ourselves better. We should think better of ourselves. Never, ever come to a place where you think that you're better than somebody else. Because that somebody else bears the image of God just like you. In essence, we should lift up the others. 
We should encourage them. We should build them up. We should think better of ourselves. Philippians 3 verse 8 says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. His sake, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I count everything. He says, I, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. All the things that have for so long defined who I was. <laughs> Every single thing that for so long has defined who I was. And if you read just before that, Paul's biography where he says, but you know, what he's done. He's, he says, I count all those things, all the achievements that I've had, all the stuff that I've defined my identity. He says, I count them as rubbish so that I may, I may gain Christ. And I really feel tonight, so I'm ripping this up, I really feel that God is busy breaking some false identities in the place. I really feel there's, there's people here who have for so long found their identities in external things, in things that are fleeting, in things that are here today and gone tomorrow. And you find yourself in places where some of the things were gone and you were going through a crisis and you were panicking. And God is saying, come and lay those things at my feet tonight. Come and lay those things at my throne room tonight. Allow me to, de to, to determine who you are, your sense of identity, your sense of worth. Let it be found in me. And parents, I want to encourage you. Start building up your kids with the knowledge of the Word of God and who they are. Speak the truth of the Word of God in their lives every single opportunity that you get. You have no idea the impact that that has. Just to give you an example, you know, my sister has three kids. And the oldest one, um, when she was just born, over the holidays, whenever I was at home, I would just take and I would, you know, just speak God's word over her life. I would pray for her and I would just, you know, prophesy over her life. And it was so amazing that early on this year, my mom tells me, this kid has gotten hold of a, of a Bible, these, these Gideon Bible keys. And she started reading this Bible and she's, she's calling all of us to come and read the Bible. She's 10 years old. She can hardly read English, but she found that Bible and she started reading it. And she forces her brother to read the Bible. <laughs> and I truly believe that something, somewhere happened. May we find our sense of worth in Jesus. Thank you for listening. 
Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.